would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by one, which is Zaftig. How are you, my dear? I'm quite well. How are you? Quite well as well. It is November 16th, and we have a fantastic show for you this week. Uh, really quick, we're going to go through the, the show notes, as it were. Nine Cents Letters. Yes, that's right. We continue getting, I don't know, um, correspondence, I guess I'll say letters from you guys and as long as you have a letter we're gonna give you an answer it may not be a good answer may not be the answer you want maybe mildly insulting but we'll give you an answer um no I, I truly appreciate the back and forth that you guys uh have with this show whether it's on social networking or direct email uh and uh, you know it, it means a lot to us it, it keeps us going and it keeps the content fresh and relevant to you the listeners so thank you for that we're going to address a ritual question this week and then of course agent provocateur it is that time of the month <laughs> not usually used in this context that time of the month it's like a good thing <laughs> and 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 would your agent appreciate the correlation between <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah between the segment Sorry, and menses i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you're you're my blood. You're my blood, <laughs> Darren. All right, this is episode 18. Fuck the vote and die. So, you know, a happy, cheery episode. Yeah. And then, He's of a course, little unclear uh, on what he means there. That's a little... Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like to beat around the bush. Nope. <laughs> um, unorthodoxy with which Zaptig, of course you're in the house. What's this one? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, paganism, Asatru, and Odinism. And those mythologies within ritual, and um, even how scholars talk about those types of re religions. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is going to be a good episode for everyone. Um, but I'm going to delay it a little bit to give you a couple notes here. Okay, so last week's episode. Yes, there actually was an episode last week. I didn't release it because it's not quite finished. It was almost finished. So... Uh, <laughs> It's always weird. I've never missed a week. I've sometimes released them late, but I've never actually like just dropped a week since this whole entire thing has started. And I'm not going to let that happen now. So when this episode is released, you're actually going to get last week's episode as well. I'm just okay. going to finish it up, uh, you know, the little putting the bows and the, the curls on the end of the bows for this last week's episode this week. And I get it. Release it. Yeah. Two for It's going to be delicious. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to taste some really goodness. And plus, it's been like two months since we've had Erin on the show, uh, just because of life in general. I cannot skip that. We have to get her on again. Agreed. Uh, Down to the Crossroads is so much fun. And then obviously just her banter back and forth with me is really great. So um, definitely look forward to that. Two okay. weeks, episodes, all <laughs> released tomorrow. You'll have a whole week of nonsensical satanic lovey. Lovey-dovey in your ears. <laughs> I don't fucking know what I'm saying. Also, we've gotten a lot of feedback about the satanic tradition. What happened to it? Where is it? Why can't I get my satanic tradition? Uh, well, Reverend Merciless has provided another one to me. So I will be releasing it this month. 
I just got to find an appropriate place to put it. I've got so much stuff going on that I want to release in these episodes. So expect that in the coming weeks. And it's a good one. Mm -hmm. They're always good ones, but it's a good one. Okay, so I I ran into a situation this week. And maybe, um, Zafta, you can help me with uh, what I should have done versus well, what I did versus what you know you would recommend. So I was I was in a position yesterday to either have dinner with my sister or go uh, conduct a ritual with a friend up in the Uinta Mountains, like just back country in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. What would you have done? I mean, obviously you don't know my relationship with this friend or with my sister or anything like that, but you know, if you get the option, you know, family or ritual, what would you do? Ritual in the Uintas. Really? Yep. Ah, yeah, well, that's what I fucking oh. should have <laughs> Well, I don't know the context, but I, I have, you know, I live in the same city as one of my brothers. And uh, the other one is in the military, the uh, American military. So he travels quite a bit. Maybe if he was in town. Yeah. And I hadn't, because like I tend to go years without actually laying eyes on him. Then that might have changed. But, you know, otherwise. <laughs> See, that's kind of how my family rolls like i don't see them often at all in fact i hadn't seen uh, the sister that i did end up going to dinner with last night um i like two and a half years i mean it's been a long time and the I... thing is we literally live like 36 minutes apart really? <laughs> but our lives are continents wow. apart i mean she's a mormon and i very much am not oh right yes and so her whole family every time i go <laughs> it's it's like uh, walking on pins and needles on, on one. I want whenever I have dinner with people, I want to sort of I want to be on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you yeah. want to be entertaining. You want to be funny. You want to be good company really is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. And every time I get together with family, it, it's it's that much more challenging because I have to filter things that I say because I don't want their kids to. I don't know. I know they don't understand who and what I am and, right. and what I think. So I definitely know their kids don't know. And right. their kids are always there whenever me and my family is there. Oh. And so I always have to kind of like tiptoe around things, hope that the kids don't really get the jokes that I'm putting out that are really kind of adult oriented. And and it becomes even more challenging because the kids are growing up. So they're kind of in middle school, high school range. So I know that they know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about dirty things. And right. it's, just, <laughs> it's just really weird. I think the kids got more of my... Uh, crazy childish humor than my sister did. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really weird. Um, but I don't, you know, it was fun. It was a good night. And uh, it's always nice seeing that sister anyway, because she, she's not, not a very judgy person, which is really nice. <clears throat> See, I'm right, unfortunate. Well, I have a, I have two atheist brothers um, oh, wow. who would welcome juvenile and uh, <laughs> juvenile humor in all forms. So I'm lucky that way. Oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah, they sent me. Oh, God damn. I didn't have this note, but this is uh, it's kind of fucking retarded. This is this is my family in a nutshell, okay? So I have a half-sister whom I have never met. I've heard mm-hmm. of. I've spoken to on the phone for like a minute, like mm-hmm. six, literally 60 seconds. Uh, and I've never, ever, ever seen her. She lives in a completely different state. So I get a phone call on Thursday night um, that... Th- She's actually in town with my two sisters, one of which I don't have any speaking terms with. She is, I am Satan to her and she hates Satan. So. Mormons do. (laughs) As, as Mormons will. 
Mm-hmm. So they call me and they're like, we're at Temple Square right now. And if you don't know what Temple Square is, it's sort of the uh, Mormon main temple on this planet in Utah. Yeah. I actually um, do know what that Temple Square is, yes. Uh, well, yeah, you would, of course. <laughs> I didn't think about that before I said it. Um, but for the listener's benefit. It's, it's just this, you know, large block that's dedicated to this gigantic temple and a bunch of business stuff. And the Mormon, Mormon religion is very much a business oriented religion. Mm -hmm. They like to play around with the whole afterlife bullshit, but it's all (laughs) about the money. I mean, really. Um, And so they sort of own the city. So I stay out of that square of the city because I don't, I just don't want to be involved. You get approached by a lot of missionaries when you go there and it's just, I'd rather just kind of avoid it than yeah. than fight it. And so she calls me and she says, hey, Megan's in town. Megan's my sister, um, uh, half-sister. If you want to come meet her, come on down to Temple Square. And I have to ask, like, this is this loaded? Like, are you asking right. me this because you know I won't go? But you just don't, right. you want to, you want to try to be nice by inviting me, <laughs> but you don't really want me to go. So you're inviting me to somewhere you don't think that I'll go. It's the passive-aggressive invitation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course you're welcome at this place that you hate and everybody knows that you hate and you're going to hate every second of it. But absolutely you should come. Totally. We definitely want you to, to, yes. to be here. We want to we yeah. share some time with you. So I did not end up going. I, uh, I actually did make an effort where um, I called him and I said, look, I'm going to be driving by there. If you guys want to, you know, go get like a hot cocoa or something because they don't drink coffee then, you know, we can stop in somewhere and get something to drink and talk. And they're like, oh, well, we're about to go into a tour of the uh, museum or something in the Mormon temple. I was like, uh, all right, well, <laughs> I'll just see you another time then. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. Like, why do you even bother calling me? Much and here's younger? the thing. She's much younger. I don't need you to feel like you're doing me a favor or you're thinking of me. Right. I've lived my entire life never knowing you. So it's right. not a big deal. Yeah. But the fact that you call me and invite me to somewhere that you know I'm not going to go, and then I actually say that I'll show up just to be a good brother, mm-hmm. and then you, you have the balls to say, oh, I'm, I'm about to enter something, so I really, <laughs> really, really don't want to meet you. <laughs> Fuck you! Like, what is the whole fucking point of the whole goddamn phone call? God damn it! Um, it's uh. the whole point, I can tell you, um, because oh I, I speak girl, so the whole... <laughs> The whole point of that is that so that afterwards they can tell themselves, um, oh, of course, we did the correct moral thing and we did invite him without acknowledging their own secret agenda that to create the circumstances that would make you say no and not want to be there at all. But they can tell themselves openly to each other. They can sit around their um, hot cocoa and say, oh, we did invite him. Like, at least we did. He didn't want to come. Oh, well, that's that's his. It's on (laughs) him. I'm just saying. So I think you're you're justified in. Uh, I might be uh, in your approach you to this girl decoding in the future. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I can understand what the real point. I is. speak passive aggressive. I tend not to <laughs> use that language in my own life as much, um, but I do understand it. <laughs> I can That's decode great. it for others. <laughs> it, it was a little frustrating, mm-hmm. just to see the least. All right. Uh, I'm trying to see which notes I want to hit on before we start here. Um, all right, well, I'll, I'll do this one really quick. For those of you who want to support Nine Cents and want to keep us going in some way or another, uh, you can always leave us an audio drop that I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. You can shoot that to my Google Voice or my email, info at ninecentspodcast.com or 
801-899-6168. It's a Google Voice account. You will not have anyone picking up. Um, or you can donate. There's a donate button at the bottom of the website, 9centspodcast.com, where it will go straight to hosting and domain renewal fees. And um, you can also check out Asp Apparel and pick up some of the 9 cents uh, clothing that's available there, uh, clothing and apparel accessories that they have Good stuff. Um, you should definitely check it out, even if you're not going to get it, because uh, mm-hmm. hey, it might be a good Kwanzaa gift if you're into <laughs> yeah <laughs> Kwanzaa. <laughs> you never know. Um, also, I'm I'm uh, looking into starting up some affiliate programs with different companies, so that may be something that's coming down the pipe too. Just uh, be aware of it, and uh, you know, if if you do want to support the show, that's how you do it. Um, I was. <laughs> Uh, so professionally, I'm a graphic designer. For those of you who don't know, I'm sure if you listen to the show, you know, I was uh, hired by a city here in Utah to create this sort of brand video. And the talent that they insisted on using was their own PR representative for the city. So it's this woman, <laughs> attractive woman, uh, she, she has a history in radio. And so I thought that it would be this really wonderful, super simple thing to do. So we sort of like shut down a mall in order to get this interior mall scene taken care of. And we put the video together and we delivered it to her. And she was like, and this is, this drives me crazy because no woman I've ever met is ever happy with a performance that they've made or a speech that they've given or a delivery that they've made um, in any professional context. There's always like, oh, I could have done it better or I could have adjusted it this way or if I did this or that. So we present it to the city and of course she's on the approving panel and she's like, no, we can do better than that. And what she doesn't realize or I don't know, doesn't care. I mean, it's not really her problem is that I have a fucking gazillion other things to do in my job yeah. than reshoot scenes that she is personally unhappy with, even though right. she won't be able to give us a better fucking delivery. Yeah. And this is proven because we did go and reshoot it this last fucking week. And it was a goddamn nightmare. It was... Okay, so... <laughs> this is my life in a nutshell. Again, I, I hope uh, all of you are envious. So I'm sitting behind the camera and we've already walked through the scene. We, we've, uh, I've explained to her how I want her to read her lines. I want you to be energetic. I want you to flirt a little with the camera. I don't want any overt smiles. I don't want to see teeth for very long when you're smiling. <laughs> Just deliver your lines, walk from A to B to C, and you're done. That's all we need. And she's already done this before, so you would think that she has it down pat, like mm-hmm. I am good to go. But of course not. She misses words. She changes the lines and we have to keep reshooting until she gets the pace right. and the tone correct, along with just delivering the lines and walking without being a weirdo. So there's there's semantic issues with her where semantics is and she's like moving her hands and stuff. So she is in radio. So she never really thinks about how her hands and right. head move when she speaks. Mm-hmm. And she's doing this really weird, like, like arm angled, like, presentation Vanna White if she was a robot arm thing like it was like moving it up that. and down I've crazy. seen the Vanna White arm yeah and so like I'm like cut 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 um a couple notes don't move your hands like I don't want you to be like stiff and rigid but I also don't want you to speak with your hands okay you're walking you have a bag like full of shoes presumably or something I don't need you to present anything yeah. you're literally delivering these lines and it's the equivalent of two sentences that's all I want you to do. 
She's like, okay. So she goes through it again. And we've already done this before. That's the worst fucking part about this. Mm -hmm. So she already knows what I'm going to say, but we still have to jump through the goddamn hoops. So this time, rather than moving her hands, she's a little bit more natural, not so rigid, which is great. Now she's moving her head, like to the <laughs> side, like she's got a nervous tick or something. And so I'm like, all right, cut, stop. What are you, what's the head thing that you're doing? And she's like, well, I'm trying to emphasize what I'm saying. I'm like, let's try to do that with your voice and not with your head. Because it looks really weird with you tilting your head to the side. All like your, your ear is itching and you're trying to itch it with your elbow or your, your shoulder. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So please let's. Just focus uh, on just it's like being... it's like from that show Fresh Prince of Bel Air when he's trying to tell his niece how not to get into a fight. He says, "You just act crazy. Just jerk your head to the side and say, mind your business. That's all. Mind your business." Timely <laughs> reference, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I I figured you and I are in the same age bracket. For sure. <laughs> Give yeah. or take. No, I I used to love that Jackson. Um, <laughs> so that's what she was totally doing. that. You missed it. See, you missed it. She was actually making a Fresh Prince reference. <laughs> In her presentation to you. I didn't even think about <laughs> I know. It's okay. Pop culture this is reference. what I'm here for. <laughs> Decoding everything for me. So she finally gets her body down pat and she's just delivering lines so I can actually focus on the line she's giving. Mm -hmm. And it's the exact same way that she's delivered in the past. So I'm like, okay, well, look, this you're, you're delivering it the same way. And this is how you said you didn't like it and you could deliver it better. So let's be a little bit more upbeat on this take. Okay, you did really good last time. I want a safety take. Let's just uh, keep it upbeat, exciting, energetic, be friendly, be happy. Smile in your mind so that your voice is coming through as very, very happy. And she's like, no problem. And we get everything going and it's the exact same. I'm like, okay, good job. A uh, couple notes. I want you a little bit more happy this time, okay? You you were kind of the same as you were before. Let's do it a little bit happier. And this is a woman who literally made us do this reshoot based on this delivery alone. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the only thing. And so we go through it again, and it's the exact same way. And this time I'm like, okay, that was good. It was a lot like the previous takes. So this time I want you to be out of your mind, bubbly and campy, and just have fun with it. This is going to be our outtake real mm -hmm. like, this is just gonna be for fun for us be crazy delivers it the same fucking way the same exact <laughs> way so this woman is incapable just in fucking capable of delivering it any other way than blah blah and blah 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 do you ever get tired of repeating um so that was good <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> no, that was all right oh. sure but oh, um a couple fucking... notes <laughs> Like because if you were really so honest we about it, you'd be like, hey, you look like a crazy woman and, <laughs> <laughs> and you're so stiff and awkward yeah. and this whole yeah. thing is just a crapshoot. So <laughs> you can help me out with that. Now, <laughs> it's not working. No, it was it was a terrible experience. I hate this woman uh, <laughs> intensely now at this point because I know she's going to see it and she's like, this is the same as last time. And I'm just going to scream in her face. Yeah. Like, I fucking know it's the same. You idiot, <laughs> fucking idiot bitch. So she, there was this one really awkward moment that I never know if people do this on purpose. Mm -hmm. mm, but I feel like it kind of was. So she's, like I said, she's kind of attractive. And we kind of have this little flirty banter back and forth. I kind of do that with every woman anyway, just to kind of be comfortable. I don't really mean anything by it. Um, but this time she did something... I think she kind of did it. So, so when she was bobbing her head, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, you need to stop shaking your head. That's really weird. And she's like, so you want less head? And I'm like, 
do I say anything? Like, what's the protocol? We're in a professional environment. Do I mention? I've never said that in my life, and I would never say that to you. Wow. Like, what? That's how do funny. I say? It? And I would, th- I would think that she just made it like a slip of the tongue, but she said it like three times, <laughs> like in you know, in session throughout the shoot. Like, right. oh, you want me to give you less head? I was like. Right, and everybody else around you hears it, so it's like they're waiting to see if you're going to react because they're all yeah, thinking so it. I, yeah. I didn't. You'd be I like, "Oh like no, 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 no. I, I just hate fuck you." That's all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's going to end up being. Goddamn. All right, let's start the show. Uh, <laughs> enough, hate, enough hate, fuck talk. All right. <laughs> Nine cents letters. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. So essentially, the listener is asking about um, uh, being like preparing the script beforehand because he listened to your Greater, Greater Magic episode with uh, Megas Gilmore and Magister Rose. And uh, one of the, the suggestions uh, from Megas Gilmore was to uh, write out the script beforehand so that you sort of have it kind of memorized and you're not distracted when you're performing ritual. Um, but the listener was asking about that if you do that, you might lose some of the potential for the emotional response. So the question is, how would you recommend I remain emotionally detached while preparing the script for my ritual? Or would it be better to treat the writing of the ritual as the ritual itself? Interesting question. Yeah. So this is, this is a different sort of take on things than I've really thought. So, you know, there's, there's two separate sides of this um, greater magic coin here. You have the ceremony and then you have the ritual. So ceremonies are sort of uh, reliving a, a, a historical uh, moment or a new take on an idea throughout history or an event in life or something like that. And those are ones that if you're writing a ceremony, you definitely want to make sure that it's sort of play tested, for mm. lack of a better term, where you you write down your script, you practice it and make sure all the parts fit and mesh and it, it all delivers the emotional uh, connection that you're, you're aiming for if you're writing it. If you're writing your own ritual, I mean, I, there's not as much pop and circumstance involved in my opinion. Like you already have the fundamentals of a satanic ritual laid out for you. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to do something completely different, which is fine, do your own thing, I don't know that the writing of it is going to, and I don't know why it would, be the emotional experience that you're looking for. Like, I I mean, maybe for some people, if you're into writing, you would have a little ritual that would go along with it, and maybe that would be okay. But I think for most people that are looking to perform a ritual, you know, your script is sort of just your notes. right. For the performance. Well, I don't... maybe the, the listener is also sort of understanding it as a very rigid script. But um, in essence, it could very much be um, a sort of a note and just sort of an outline of what you're going to do. But for the emotional part, that doesn't have to be written down at all. So mm. I sort of, especially if it's a, a f- with yourself, then whichever type of ritual you're performing, there's always that part where you're meant to express emotion, whatever that may be. And that you don't have to touch. So if, you're, if, the, if they're concerned about losing the emotional response, then they can have a sort of a brief outline of step A, B, and C. But when it comes to that element of let's do this screaming, crying, uh, whatever 
part, um, then it, then it's much more natural. It's much more spontaneous. And I always found that if you're, especially when you're performing a solo ritual, then it doesn't matter how long it takes. So yeah. even if it takes a moment to get started, like who cares? You know, there's no, there's only you and your own psyche in this room, and uh, <laughs> and perhaps different. Uh, figures that you may invoke if you're into that but yeah. i think that so even if it takes a moment if you're concerned about the emotional response you shouldn't be overly concerned that it doesn't happen immediately you know just just wait it out if it's something that you're feeling emotional about oh it'll come if you start thinking about it <laughs> probably, it does for me anyway if i'm angry even if it takes a moment the moment i start um really thinking about it then um i usually have no trouble tapping into my rage so um, maybe that's yeah. that's a sort of a solution, the half a hybrid. There's a couple notes on, on, on this as you were speaking, I was thinking of. I would love to see the little emoticons or little shorthand that he's writing for the different types of ritual, like cry here yeah. <laughs> or like ejaculate this <laughs> altar. You know, like, like if you're if you're scripting it out so rigidly that you're, you're getting emotional while you're doing it. How detailed are you? Um, but two, there should be a natural flow. You, you, you should not be caught up in the mechanics of a ritual. You really need to have that be at the back burner and your experience is what you're focusing on, not the mechanics of it. So maybe the next time you ritualize or maybe you just throw together uh, an impromptu ritual don't write anything down mm -hmm. and just let it roll off of you and see what happens and use that as a guide of okay well now if I add in some notes it can be much more natural I don't have to be so rigid and prepared because there's literally Satan is not standing behind you with a scorecard Right. And he's like, okay, right. he did this, check. He did this, check. Oh, he flubbed here, a little minus mark. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it's, it's not like that. There, well, one, there's no saint. But two, there's no one, it, it's you. It's all about you and how you experience this. If you want it to be rigidly structured, that's great, as long as it doesn't detract from the ritual itself. If you're writing the script is all you need in order to get that emotional right. sense of uh, release, well, then you definitely don't need to perform it because you just had that moment you don't you know you really have to tailor the entire experience to how your mind is working and the uh effect that you want to happen mm -hmm. so i hope that helps i don't know if it does <laughs> i don't know um do you have anything else you wanted to touch on this uh no that's good i i would agree right. with that yeah uh, an well, individual need you know whatever that person um really feels would be most effective. I can imagine some people write a script if they're trying to get started and like they're feeling awkward about it. But even then, try it until something works for you. Well, and that's like the other thing too. I mean, if, if you're reading from a script, you're, you're not in the moment. At least for me, I, if I'm reading something like verbatim, I'm not really in the moment. So right. do you, yes and, and no. I know, Virtually everyone is, um, yeah. that I've spoken to on any Greater Magic episode has, has mentioned, try to memorize the lines. Right. And if you can't, that's fine. But have a solid understanding of what they are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then just reference the text if you need it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. So that you're not sitting here like squinting in the candlelight trying to see, trying to pronounce <laughs> the words. and Because that, that experience of you struggling through it 
takes away from the entirety of the ritual itself. Right. For me. Yeah. So no, that makes make sense. sure you've run through it a couple times in your head. And when you're in there, you're not thinking, you're not overanalyzing. That's the whole point is that it's supposed to be an emotional experience. It is not supposed to be an intellectual one. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. All right. Let's, uh, let's do a little agent provocateur. All right. I am not a liberal nor a conservative. I'm not a Democrat nor a Republican. I am not a socialist nor a capitalist. I am not an authoritarian, and I'm definitely not fighting for your cause. I belong to no party, I support no politicians, I am loyal to no state, and your cause celebra means nothing to me. I am Darren Deicide, Agent Provocateur. Welcome back to Agent Provocateur. I am Darren Deicide, and I will be your tour guide on this trip. Strap in, keep your hands in the car, and enjoy the ride. I have to address a piece of news that was circulated on AP and other newswires. Another election went by, and it was somewhat of a significant one this go-around. For the first time since FDR's presidency, a record was broken. According to the United States Election Project, just 36.3% of the eligible voting public showed up to punch a ballot. Voters between 18 and 29, in particular, were remarkably low, turning out at around 13% of the general electorate, a 6% drop since the last election. I'm so proud of you, younger generation. You're casting your vote in the right direction. You may notice, not exactly one to rock the vote. In fact, I'd like to start a movement called Fuck the Vote. Can you get behind me on this one, MTV? What kind of rock and rollers rock the vote? Yeah, we're rocking for the system, man. Woo! It's a Partridge family's wet dream disguised in perfectly manicured bedhead and smeared mascara. What a sad excuse for rock and rollers. I wonder if Johnny Rotten would have done a commercial telling people not to forget to attend the Queen's Gala events. Well, he is doing butter commercials now, so maybe that is on the agenda. How about Jim Morrison writing a poem for the Republican Party? They'll think it's precious that he drops Trout during one of his performances and call him a profoundly American musician. What happened to you, rock stars? When did you get in bed with your overseers and become shills for the system? What the hell kind of rock and roll is this? I don't want to hear about how wonderful you think the president is or how important voting is. I want you to play a solo while thrusting your pelvis into my face like Chuck Berry. I want to see your show cause an uncontrollable riot like Bill Haley and the Comets. You're supposed to be evoking fear in the pious masses, not encouraging them to be complete, complacently accepting of their lot. Even the wannabe gangster rappers are getting in on the action. I say wannabe because I firmly believe that the closest P. Diddy got to the hood was the last time he rolled through a checker's drive-thru. That guy started something called Citizen Change, along with fellow badass 50 Cent. That started the infamous vote or die shit. Well, I'd like to start the vote and die campaign. What do you think of that, Diddy? These things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, dying and voting is what keeps the money rolling along. So, let's see you practice what you preach, you young Americans. Vote for an exceptionally hawkish politician and gets to the dying. And you, Diddy, keep hawking Burger King like the rebel that you are. Rock and roll has been effectively castrated. Today's rock and rollers have half the balls that those who put their neck out to create this aesthetic have had. Now, they're scared. 
I mean, everyone is scared in this country. They're scared of everything. Ebola, terrorism, shark attacks, texting drivers, North Korea. What you don't know can hurt you. Terror, threat level red. Is arsenic in your food? Child abducting, sexual assaulting, devil worshipping, rioting, blacks are mass murdering, random people in the streets while poisoning the water supply with lead. These ballless, soulless rock stars, quote-unquote, are just a reflection of them. And naturally, these entertainers are paying homage to their sponsors. I always considered rock and roll a fiercely American style of music. It's the kind of aesthetic that couldn't have come from anywhere else. Only in America can black and white music come together on the common cause of fucking shit up. See, that's the American way. And that's something these entertainers, I'm going to call them entertainers because a musician affords them too much dignity, something they don't understand. This is a country with a clause that allows the population to overthrow its own government through force of arms, okay? We love rebellion. We were born out of rebellion. It's in our blood. Somewhere in the American DNA, there's a code that spells out F-U-C-K-Y-O-U. That's why these obediently uninteresting entertainers posing as exemplars of edgy music are an insult to me. Just put on an office suit and sing how much is that doggy in the window already, would you? Look, I got a message for you, America. Don't worry, no one's being beheaded. There's a reason significantly less than half of the population is voting. They know that it's a royal waste of their time. They know, perhaps if not intellectually, but intuitively, that the whole thing is designed to send them up a river, and it's a much better idea to cast your vote at the strip bar. That's because it's money that runs everything. So every time you throw a buck down Gina's pants, you're casting your real vote. Voting is not how we change things in America. The way you change something in America involves getting your hands dirty. That means following the vector laid out by the original rebels. So when somebody screws you while you're not looking, you screw them back when they're not looking. You don't ask them politely to knock it off. Yeah. Americans aren't nice people by global standards, but you know what they say about nice guys, right? Me, personally, I caught up on some Pee-wee's Playhouse episode and scrubbed some dishes that had been sitting, creating a smell that was somewhere between old beer and a broccoli omelet when the vote was taking place. I guarantee you that as long as we don't have another serious revolution that puts another stake through the heart of totalitarian religious thinking, no serious change will happen. At most, it'll get a fresh coat of paint. But I guarantee you that that paint will be red. Red for the blood that may be spilt. So let's keep chugging along, America, and throw another layer of paint on this thickly layered wall. Let's fuck the vote. Or conversely, vote and die. A day may come when nobody shows up to vote. I am Darren Deicide. This has been... Agent Provocateur. Facebook.com slash Agent Provocateur on 9 cents. Take care.
Fascination is a binding, which comes from the spirit of the witch, through the eyes of him that is bewitched, entering to Fascination is a binding, Now the instrument of fascination is the spirit, namely a certain pure, lucid, subtle vapor, generated of the pure blood by the heat of the heart. Alright, another Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig, episode 4. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Uh, so thank you again, listeners, for sending in your questions to Witch Zaftig or to me for Witch Zaftig. Um, these are really good ones. We've got a whole bunch that we're going to eventually get to. So if you have submitted one, please have patience. We will get to it. Okay, so this one, in essence, um, this individual performs ritual with, I'm going to say this wrong, a satru? That's how I pronounce it, sure. Slash Odinism um, as inspiration with a group of friends and stuff for fun. Um, and the essence of the question is, does this make one less of a Satanist because they're relying on, in this case, Norse or Norwegian influence, right? Uh, yeah, well, Scandinavian, the northern countries, yeah. So what do you think? Um, <clears throat> well, first, I want to tell the listeners a little bit about what a satru or Odinism is, because that might help <laughs> illuminate them. <laughs> right. So uh, they are what uh, scholars call reconstructed religions. So what essentially that means is that um, we may call it paganism, but uh, originally pagan simply meant non-Christian. In the contemporary context, there are people that are interested in this uh, pre-Christian golden age, um, especially in the European countries. Uh, Asatru, Odinism, uh, different types of Norse mythologies in different ways, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, sometimes get reinterpreted because we have some evidence of what those um, religion, we, could, we can call it religion, uh, looked like. We don't have a clear idea of what they looked like, though. So we have the sagas. Um, there's certain physical evidence like archaeology. There's some folk tales, um, which always change over time. But um, historians, um, when they reconstruct a religion, they give their best guess for what a pre-Christian world and practice might look like. But then the religiously oriented people reconstruct the religion, um, viewing the pre-Christian world as some sort of golden age that wasn't yet corrupted by Christianity. This is a skewed perspective because, one, they really don't have any clear idea, and two, it, it's uh, really about, it's corresponding to the modern discourse of anti-religion and anti-Christianity. So they're saying Christianity came and ruined things, uh, we're going to go back and try to go for this uh, pre-Christian type of religious experience, um, which was more pure, quote-unquote. There is no uh, real indication of what these practices and world look like, just hints. But still, the scholar says um, all mythologies are true. <laughs> and when we say that, we just mean that if people are convinced that there was a pre-Christian golden age of uh, pagan-type religion, then that's how they practice it, that's how they self-understand. We sort of set aside... Um, historical fact and view what they're b believing. There's no unbroken line for these traditions. It really is in the last century or so, um, someone invested in looking at these sagas and what evidence we do have to reconstruct. So they fall under the umbrella of paganism, like neo-paganism, Wicca. Uh, those are just one version. Uh, many of them do consider themselves satanic, uh, not satanic, pardon me, do consider themselves magical. 
So they self-identify as magical groups because they invoke the mythologies within their rituals. Uh, and some, at the same time, may consider themselves satanic. And by that, I mean that there are contemporary Satanists that would certainly incorporate these mythologies uh, easily. Uh, my answer to this particular um, writer is that, the particular listener, is that Satanists can use whatever mythologies work for them. It doesn't necessarily have to correspond even to the same types of ideas because mythologies over different cultures change. And in my experience of talking to people over the years, they incorporate all kinds of different things. So the Norse mythologies tend to be popular because of the warrior hero, they're fierce. Um, there's quite of ideas about being strong and masculine and the, uh, the women also quite powerful. So a lot of Satanists respond to the, those narrative themes. Uh, but any Satanist can use any type of mythology within their ritual if it helps them uh, have a more emotional response. And um, Megas Gilmore actually has the right of Ragnarok in the Satanic scriptures. And I've known other Satanists yeah. that would easily incorporate a lot of different ideas for a Satru or Odinism. Um, those that do practice this now in the contemporary time, uh, Odinism or Asatru, uh, are engaged in a different type of thing, like their Norse paganism. They're very much invested in, in national identity and, and reliving and sort of honoring the national identity in these Scandinavian countries. Those that do it in North America, not so much, because we don't have that same connection to this physical land in terms of the myths, because the myths originate elsewhere. But still, um, I've seen different types of uh, neo-pagans and Satanists alike use any kind of mythology that they respond to. So, yeah, that doesn't make you any less of a Satanist in my mind. I don't think... Uh, um, to me, there's always the line. So whatever you use in ritual, whatever's most effective, um, is as Satanic as anyone else. The line is, to me... Once you start considering these ideas outside of ritual, that's the line where it's no longer satanic. In the idea that whatever you're incorporating, you can read Crowley, you can read <laughs> old uh, Norse sagas, you can read um, even some of the demonic characters in the biblical text if you want, uh, if you, yeah. and use them in ritual. If outside of ritual you consider any of them real, Satan included, uh, to me, then that's, that does not make you... <laughs> If that's the concern, then certainly that's not satanic. But within ritual, have at it. That's a good point, too. And it seems like because the the question was wrapped around the idea that he's, he does this with friends, um, I'm assuming this group of friends really is into that. And yeah. so he's just sort of hanging on, you know, just being a part of it, even though truly he self-identifies as a Satanist. Um Here's here's an interesting thought. Um, maybe not. Uh, if you are questioning whether or not you are a Satanist, <clears throat> just read the Satanic Bible. If it resonates with you and you agree with the ideas in it, then you are a Satanist. If it doesn't, then you're not a Satanist. <laughs> um, you cannot use a, a Littman's test in ritual practice to confirm or deny being a Satan. They're Satanists who don't even ritualize. Yeah. They don't have want anything to do with it. And that's fine. You don't have to. So, especially when, I mean, even our high priest, 
has uh, mentioned that he has a Godzilla ritual. <laughs> I mean, come on, how awesome is that? Yeah. I mean, of course he's a Satanist. So definitely don't don't try to compare, don't try to evaluate. Satanism is not about measuring up. And this is something that I think is is a really important concept to grasp for those who haven't yet. You don't have to be as good as or better than other Satanists. Yeah. You have to be the best version of you. That's it. Like you don't have to, you don't have to see someone, um, uh, someone that I've always admired um, was uh, now Magister Slaughter. I, I think he's a crazy, interesting individual. Mm -hmm. I dig his aesthetics, but I don't have to compare to him. I don't have to measure up to him because that has nothing to do with my individuality, uh, my sense of self. Because you look up to someone or you appreciate what they do, it, it has zero to do with you being a real Satanist. And so carrying that forward to ritual, because you like to ritualize differently or your altar setup is dramatically different than uh, X, Y, or Z's altar or the way they ritualize does not make you less of a Satanist. Every The whole point of ritual is to personalize it. Yeah. So if you connect with... Ah, fuck, a satru, a satru? A satru. A satru well, or I mean, Odinism. The way we pronounce it. Hells yes, use that. You Whatever it is that you need to get to that uh, emotional connection uh, in the in the decompression chamber, definitely use it. Uh, I, for one, I, I love burlesque. I'm a big proponent of uh, sexualizing women. Um, <laughs> I can't help it. It's what I do. Uh, and so I use imagery and I use uh, inspiration from that. Uh, does that make me more or less of a Satanist? Fuck no. It makes me a Satanist. Not more or less of anything. So do what you need to do. That's amazing, though. I, you brought up this really interesting thing that I never really thought about before. And that is uh, with Zafjik. So when we look back at these ancient religions, we're reconstructing them from from a post-Christian era. Perfect. Meaning that yes, absolutely. Our perspectives are completely already skewed by the time we're getting to it. Totally. And not only that, the sources we do have tend to be, uh, especially at the time, clergy writing about these uh, quote-unquote <laughs> heathens that they encounter. So, um, and so we'll have some theologian who was traveling in the, you know, um, the Scandinavian countries were some of the last to be converted to Christianity um, around uh, 1100, between 1100 and 1300 of the current era. And um, uh, so we have clergy traveling, different types of people going to these heathens up north, <laughs> the barbarians, and writing texts about how difficult it may be to convert the natives or to like get them to understand high Christian theology. And so a lot of the stuff that contemporary Reconstructionists look at is actually Christian writings on the heathens, quote unquote. So there's even if they understand that that's, that's that a sort of encounter that they're, that they're looking at, so it's not a pure source, mm -hmm. uh, it still just shows you that even the evidence we do have isn't necessarily untainted evidence. Um, sagas that are passed down orally before they're written down probably shift. Uh, even though we, we can say that oral societies tend to have better memories in their narratives that pass long generations than societies that have a written, that, where people are more literate because we don't rely on our memory as much. Um, so oral societies can remember things generations upon generations in a much more accurate way. 
but still that's true uh, they've done tests because we still have some oral societies now about and there are people who are uh, designated storytellers the ones that will retain the genealogy the creation myth and are meant to find a, someone who can recount it as close as possible um, for the next generation. So it's actually a whole lineage of storytellers in oral societies. Usually there's a person designated for that. Unlike us, where every time we tell a story, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so, so there is some, you know, when we're sort of looking at reconstructing, we sort of put all these different sources together. Okay, oral societies had this. Um, the Christian theologians are writing this way. The archaeology tells us this. The folk tales tell us this. And then they sort of put together a portrait of what it may have looked like. But um, every single time that happens, whether it's from a historian or a religious person or not, we often find new evidence at some point that may totally skew what we thought we knew. So that happens all the time in history. Um, so totally, we are everything even Asatu itself so i was reading uh, an article about Asatu in iceland and even the title itself um means something like belief in and the reason that they, they had to sort of come up with a name in order to present their religious practice which was really only like two three hundred people but to the icelandic government to be recognized as a religion because if they didn't have necessarily a name and a belief um that that the government may not recognize them as legitimate. But they had to present it under the paradigm of what Christianity looks like, a belief, yeah. uh, a firm name, as opposed to saying, oh, we just take in all these different rituals. We don't really have a main <laughs> text uh. or main idea. Then the government says, well, that, that, doesn't, that religion doesn't come in a form that we recognize. And, you know, to uh, usually what they recognize is a religion that looks like Christianity. So they're yeah. always adjusting um, how they're presenting it to authorities uh, in order to get some type of legitimacy. So even then, they're skewing it for legal um, parameters, um, which is another, it's a big issue in religions that don't look anything like a monotheistic religion that has a god, a set of doctrine, and a text. Um, so if their religion is outside of those parameters, it becomes an issue in different countries to how to get recognized legally. Wow, there's there's just a fair amount of irony in there. <laughs> the, and uh, you know, making a couple leaps here for for those who latch on to these um, older pre-Christian era religions, I'm imagining they're doing it because they want to get to something a little more pure uh, that either resonates with them culturally or uh, just aesthetically. Yeah, what they imagine is pure. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and then the reality is, is it's anything but. Right. <laughs> it's all gone through the filter of yeah. uh, uh, social, political, uh, environmental, uh, Christian lenses in absolutely. order to reconstruct this pure religion. <laughs> yeah, and some will recognize that. Some will absolutely say, awesome. look, we know it's a reconstruction. Um that's fine. Uh, some don't recognize it as much, and it's actually offensive to, to say so, um, because yeah. they sort of view themselves as champions of this golden age and the, their national identity, especially in Europe. Like, it becomes attached to national identities of these uh, myths and practices that may have existed before Christianity. It's uh, the type of person that, I'm, I'm so interested in this, what kind of a person looks to our 
ancestry, our ancient ancestry, and says, they had something that we don't have today. <laughs> like, how how can you look at that and um, say, I want to go back there? Here, I can answer that partly. Uh, in So we're very familiar with the contemporary discourse that's very anti-religion. So Dawkins, yeah, Hitchens, yeah. Um, Harris, they're very much saying... Religion is bad. It's corrupting. It uh, it's corrosive. It harms everybody. I don't entirely agree with those discourses, but we are familiar with this idea that once religions become institutionalized, people abuse their power uh, in all kinds of ways. They take your money. They abuse your kids. Whatever. This is the the rhetoric that's surrounding it. So one of the reasons for these types of movements to reconstruct a, a pre-Christian religious practice is directly an answer to the contemporary discourse against religion. So it's sure. the contemporary political context that informs their desire um, for reconstruction. Because wow. they're saying this was corrupt. They're viewing then Christianity as the evil thing. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, we've been told for... You know, they're interpreting it as everything non-Christian was bad. So we're saying now, no, Christianity is bad. And we're going to try to, not every particular person has that same sentiment, but it is certainly a prominent thread throughout many types of uh, neo-pagan movements. I can see that. Yeah. I can dig that. Wow. I, I, I learn so much every time I talk to you. <laughs> this is wonderful. It's because I'm awesome. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, pretty big deal. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, well, how can uh, the other listeners out there with questions send them to the awesome witch is Um So we've gotten a lot of questions, as Adam said. Uh, so I will get to them eventually. I'm really excited that everybody's been interested in sending questions. So if yours hasn't been addressed yet, just have, be patient. I do sometimes merge a couple at the same time. So when it does appear, it may be morphed a bit, but I'll, I always try to answer it. So uh, you can reach me a few ways. First, just direct email, zaptigworks at gmail.com. Uh, you can also reach me on Facebook. The page is Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig. You can find it. I have a Twitter feed under the same, uh, under Witch Zaftig. And I also have a, word a WordPress blog, which afterwards I'll always put up some sources, um, different types of art scholarly articles, if I can find them that are open access, or at least the book, an article that I reference to answer the question. So you, if you want to do future research, um, and that is unorthodoxyblog.wordpress. Uh, so uh, any of those methods are fine, and um, we cross-link them all with even with nine cents. So uh, don't be shy. Send me your questions. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. That was that was really really fascinating. Good. Again, every fucking time we talk, man, there's something new <laughs> that I learn. I'm, it I'm is that my much job. Less so I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for yet another show. We do hope you enjoyed it. And again, we would love to hear from you. Visit the website ninecentspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at ninecentspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. If you don't like what we're saying in these answers or in these responses or in these segments, 
hit us up, let us know. Yeah. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. You can download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on LastFM, Stitcher, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. And remember, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, check out churchofsatan.com. It is the only website that is authoritative and representative of Satanism. Uh, the only way this podcast is going to continue is if you continue to share it and you continue to tell a friend. We really appreciate you guys' support throughout these years and years and hopefully years to come. Let's keep it up. Help spread the word. Share nine cents. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Witch Zaptig. The beautiful Witch Zaptig. So nice being able to see you every week mm. or month or... <laughs> whatever time frame that I'm unable to recall. Until next week, hail Satan! Hail Satan. I'm sorry, what was that? (laughs) That's nothing the vortex of time. (laughs) Yeah.